0: Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 267 is with Miles Taylor from the podcast, The Whistleblowers. I'm good for a Thursday morning. Me and Miles are just sitting here and, you know, goofing around. <laughs> a- Aero, Michael just said you're an
1: asshole. And he was like, look, just if you need to drop the mic and leave this interview, you can because people hate this guy. So that's I mean, that's fine. I get it.
0: Uh, it's because I, I'm not a whistleblower. So, I mean, he's, he says, come on, dude, come forward. <laughs> See, told you. <ya. laughs> All yours until 19. We're going to have fun. You know, d- does the average person know what a whistleblower is? Because, I mean, you saw yesterday's headlines. I mean, two of them have come forward now. Even with Hunter Hunter Biden. And it's like, I I still sit there and I read those articles going, What's going on here?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the whistleblower is a term that has sometimes been a dirty term and it's sometimes been, you know, one of the premium labels to have. And it really just depends on your political perspective. I mean, I think during the era of Edward Snowden exposing national security secrets, it really did become a dirty term because he was, you know, selling out the safety of Americans, but what we try to do with this series, The Whistleblowers, is go talk to people who exposed corruption and figure out what happened to them, what happened in their lives, what did the personal story look like, put aside the politics, and it was really fascinating. And and frankly, one piece of it, Arrow, was inspiring, frankly, which is that each of these people, even though they had homes destroyed and lives destroyed Mm -hmm. and had to move around and fear for their lives, at the end of the day, they didn't regret speaking up. Whether they were a Democrat or a Republican, and regardless of their allegation, they still felt like the right thing was speaking up. And, and yep. we just don't hear enough stories like that today.
0: Absolutely. listeners need to know right away that the, the name of the podcast on iHeartRadio is the whistleblowers inside the Trump administration. I, I think one of my attractions to it is, is that you really don't go into it like, oh, I'm political, I'm political, I'm political, because people are tired of that. But you are sharing an authentic frickin story here.
1: Yeah, I'm really tired of it. (laughs) Arrow, I'm very happy to be on with you. But if it weren't me being on with you, I hate, hate, hate talking about politics. I went into government not to be involved in electoral politics, which is just gross. I went into government to be a part of national security. I mean, after 9-11, I wanted to go stop another terrorist attack from happening again why I joined the Bush administration. It's why I've been working in national security. Uh, but but frankly, I had to start talking about politics because after witnessing Donald Trump firsthand, uh, kind of mishandling the mm-hmm. job and trying to use presidential powers for his own benefit, I felt like, well, look, the only way to stop this from happening again is I've got to talk about it yep. in the political sphere. Yep. And I say that as a lifelong Republican, but um, the, the guy just, we can't make the mistake again. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm trying to sound the alarm about.
0: Boy, we are so much on the same page because I do a podcast called The Daily Mess. And I'm you, you, you can't be afraid to talk about everyday things. If we're not talking about it, then how do other people take Get to the water cooler.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and, and that's actually, I mean, and I'm sure, Arrow, you talk about this in your podcast. It It's sort of affecting everyone right now. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. Everyone's afraid of getting canceled. They're afraid of getting canceled on Instagram and on Twitter and people saying mean things on Facebook. And guess what? The data shows it. There are polls that show that your average American today is far more likely than they've ever been to misrepresent their true opinions in public Mm -hmm. and then share their real views in private. But guess who's not afraid to share their real views in public? The surveys show the far extremes. On the far right and the far left, those people say what they're thinking. That self-censorship, I think, is the biggest threat to democracy. The fact that the majority of us in the middle have been intimidated by the extremes and cowed into
0: silence is really what's put us at risk. Dude, we're being bombarded with so many new things and new ideas, and most of us have no freaking clue. We can barely run our smartphones. How do we know what what woke is versus critical race theory? We 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 don't know. Yeah, and 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 by the way, these culture war clashes
1: are really pulling us apart all the way down to the family level, like who who yeah. listening right now can honestly say they haven't experienced it? I mean, be real. There's someone in your family yep. that's the black sheep and alienated, either because, you know, they're a woke lefty or they're a MAGA far right person. That's not how it should be. I mean, when I first came into government after 9-11, there was a sense of unity in our politics, right? I mean, we saw Democrats and Republicans join arms on the Capitol steps and sing God Bless America. (laughs) Boy, does it feel like we're really, really far from that right now. I mean, now people are running for public office to become famous, they yeah. think it's a quick way to get attention, uh, and instead of governing. And in fact, I hear about these members of Congress who I used to work with who don't even have experts on their staff anymore. They just hire comms people. Why? Because they want one person running their TikTok, one person running their Instagram, mm-hmm. because it's about fame that is not what government's supposed to be about. And I was joking with someone today, Arrow, that there's that old saying that Washington, D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. Uh, and, for, and for some reason, these these politicians, these aspiring politicians think that's actually a compliment. And they're like, oh, I get it. This is a fast way for me to become famous, even though I'm not pretty. That's pretty scary stuff.
0: Look at all the news agencies that are doing the same exact thing. I mean, seriously, I have to go to five or six different uh, places to get my news to and then make my own choice of what I want to believe. I, that's, that's not Walter Cronkite.
1: That's not Walter Cronkite. And we're, we're a long ways away from where we had those paragons of integrity delivering us unfiltered, unvarnished news without a political bent. And, you know, I really want to see us go back to that period. And, and again, I say all these things as a conservative. But on that note, I mean, one of the things I was very frustrated by in the Trump years is that Donald Trump, uh, who I was working for, so viciously attacked the overall concept of freedom of speech and freedom of the press because he didn't want bad things written about him. I think we can claw our way back from it, but the operative word is claw our way back because we've gotten so far deep into this hole, it's going to take a while to repair that damage. And the last thing we should do is put someone like that back back in office. And that's why I say to my fellow Republicans, time for us to move on. Let's go pick someone who's a real conservative next time.
0: My father fought in World War too, and he always used to tell me, "Do not ever fly by the seat of your pants." And I swear to God, that's where we are right now. And we've got to put some prep into what we do and think about what we're about ready to say. Well, and we have to do
1: honor to that generation. Yes, I mean, but, you know, at that, at the risk of of sounding, you know, too emotive about it. I mean, you know, people like you know your family members, mine, who fought and in some cases died to protect this country would be rolling over in their graves mm. if they saw what you know we're doing to ourselves right now and and one of the things that you know people told me for this book blowback that i just wrote is about plans in a second trump administration to dismantle the department of veterans affairs and kick veterans out on the street oh in fact God. the quote from one of trump's own heads of the veterans affairs department was he thought the vets were lazy malingerers yep. and he wanted to use the money somewhere else that's not a conservative that's not a that's not the republican party i grew up in we respected our veterans and that's the type of thing that shows us it's a blinking red right light that says something's wrong if we've got public officials who think it's okay to go attack the people who've served our country in uniform
0: i gotta ask you i i'm blessed with the opportunity to talk to a lot of u.s soldiers men and women who write books and they've got to get their stuff you know okayed by the government before it's printed how are you getting this podcast beyond the government censors
1: uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question, especially in the age of censorship, censorship right? Uh, well, you know, the Whistleblowers podcast, you know, thankfully, uh, and I'm sure your listeners will feel the same way. Thankfully, it's mostly not about Miles Taylor. Right? You right. don't have to hear too much of me. Uh, it's really about these other folks. And, you know, we spend a lot of time going in deep with other whistleblowers from inside the government, people like Alex Vindman from the National Security Council or the acting director of the FBI, Andy McCabe, or Olivia Troy, who was Homeland Security Advisor to Vice President Pence, but also people out in the field, a, a, a nurse who was one of the earliest people to spot problems with COVID spreading through uh, detention facilities and, and what happened next. And and their stories are, I think, where we need to shine the spotlight because they provided to me inspiration about how in this environment of political intimidation you can still speak out and you can still do the right thing without having your life completely destroyed and and we talked to each of these people who experienced a lot of hardship i mean it's a pretty mm-hmm. gripping harrowing uh, and gut-wrenching podcast but every single one of them we asked at the end despite the consequences do you regret blowing the whistle yeah. And not a single one said they regretted it. And man, in an age where, again, people are just constantly attacked for trying to do the right thing. That was great to hear.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that and this is how effective your podcast is, the whistleblowers inside the Trump administration. This is how effective it is, is that it inspires me to have a voice because I uh, twice last week, the, the upper level of management said, stop it. People don't need to hear what's going on here. And I'm going, oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. And, because, I mean, and that's what I love about this podcast is that you're giving me the opportunity to believe that I have a voice.
1: Well, and, you know, and, and folks are, you know, Arrow, you and I are at grave risk right now of sounding like uh, elementary school teachers <laughs> trying to buck up the class. Uh, right. But we mean it. I mean, you know, as like people have gotten way too far away from being sincere mm. and just being themselves. And we see it all the time. And, you know, I wouldn't be the first one to rag on social media, but everyone feels like they have to do a performance Right now, and portray themselves as something they are not. And it is effing exhausting to do that, right? I mean, who listening right now doesn't feel like that's really exhausting? And those of us who quit certain social media platforms do it because we're just too tired. We're tired (laughs) of having (laughs) to try to pretend. Uh, and it's really, really refreshing to have a conversation where you can just be yourself. And also, this applies to our politics. And it's one of the reasons why I was really just grateful that they approached me to do this iHeart podcast is because there's there's some catharsis in being able to talk to someone of a different political opinion and find common ground. That would have sounded really silly for me to say 20 years yeah. ago, but now it's like a novelty to have a conversation. If you're a woke person on the left to sit down with a MAGA person or vice <laughs> yeah. versa, uh, it doesn't happen anymore. But when it does and you humanize that
0: person really, really changes your perspective. And, and we need to do a lot more of that. Oh, it so reminds me of, of the way that the world of religion is, too. It's like Southern Baptist versus Catholic versus Jewish. I mean, everybody has their own story and they're sticking to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 you know the my exhortation to people would be invite it into your lives because you're not actually going to accidentally run into that person of another Firm opinion that's opposite yours anymore Because we've all self-selected Into these tribes And again, the data shows it In fact, the data shows That by zip code in this country Red zip codes are getting redder And blue zip codes are getting bluer We're just self-selecting into these tribes So you're not just going to bump into those people anymore You've got to seek it out And when you seek it out it's going to surprise you and be rewarding. I do I do Twitter spaces sometimes, and I, and I beg people of different political persuasions to come join me because then we have real conversations. I mean, there's a guy I won't name him. There's a guy who just hated me because mm-hmm. I came out against Trump, and he's a fellow conservative. We're both conservatives. He's a hardcore MAGA conservative. I'm more of a moderate, and boy, did he say nasty things on social yeah. media. Yeah. And we wound up on a Twitter spaces together, and you know what? We had the best time. <laughs> we had an absolute riot. Do we still disagree with each other? We do. But conversations like that need to happen more.
0: So let me ask you a question because, I mean, I, I I get in more trouble because of the things that I write. How were you able to create a conversation with somebody without hearing his inflection, his emotions? I mean, how did you read into his thoughts?
1: Yeah, well... um, you know, I think long form does it. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, that's that's not that's not meant to be self-serving for you and me, Arrow, <laughs> while we're having a long <laughs> form conversation. But, uh, you know, we got too we too quickly. We moved into this area this era of like popcorn talking points where it's like a quick tweet on social media and you go on MSNBC and you got three bullet points and then you're off yep. and it makes it really easy to dehumanize people because you don't have enough time with them to see them as a human being. Uh, And it also forces them to say things to get attention that they normally wouldn't say. So it just makes people sound more extreme. This format and the resurgence of radio and podcasting, I think allows us to spend time with people and dehumanize them again. And I'll give you a quick example. I used to not be a fan of Pete Buttigieg. I'm not a Democrat. And Pete grew up not far from me in Indiana. And I was like, you know what? That guy has just been trying to be president of the United States <laughs> since the day he was born. And I can just see it on that smirk on his face. Blah, blah, blah. I had all these opinions of him. And then I listened to him on the daily podcast, I think, for an hour. And I left that podcast and I turned to my now wife Hannah and I was like, oh man, I really like that guy. Yeah. I'd love to have a beer with him. <laughs> You know, but but only long form can do that. So, you know, we have to actually spend a little more time with each other. Again, we're at the risk of sounding like elementary school teachers, yeah. but but those kindergarten lessons are the real life lessons that we're coming back now in this age of social media vitriol and realizing are the important things we need to remember.
0: You talk about the podcast and it's like you're sitting here looking at my notes because one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is that podcasting is not controlled by the government, not yet. Therefore, this is our voice and I look forward to the 2024 elections because people are going to start spreading their voice and, and their concerns as well as their ugh, the other side of it uh, through podcasts. Well,
1: Arrow, you you forget that I come from the national security community. So (laughs) I am sitting here right now reviewing your notes. It's the camera up above (laughs) you in the smoke alarm that you can't see. (laughs) But, but you know, I I think there is a real fear and a legitimate fear about government censorship. And, you know, you get attacked in this day and age if you're what's called a both sideser, if you criticize both sides. But I'm going to criticize both sides. I'm going to criticize my side, the conservative side and say you know people in our party like Donald Trump have been saying some pretty spooky things mm-hmm. about using government power to censor the political opposition but also on the far left we've had folks who talk about wanting to take over the regulatory institutions of government to silence certain types of outlets and the dissemination of certain types of information that's the kind of stuff that scares people mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that gets people to want to go around the system uh, and and we've got to nip that in the bud and and what, what worries me as a national security person is I see in the data that Americans' attitudes towards political violence are more favorable than they've ever been. In other words, more Americans today, 25 percent of Americans, have a positive view of violence towards the government, which is the highest watermark we've ever seen it. Why do they feel that way? Because they think the system's not responding to them. So we've got to lower the temperature before some sort of spark turns that powder keg into an explosion.
0: I've got a question for you, Mr. The Department of Homeland Security. This goes all the way back to 2001 for the Patriots Act. Um, we, had to, we had to take our IDs and, and, and to, to this, this place to, for, so we could all be th- with the Patriots Act. Why did I have to bring a birth certificate to prove that I have no middle name? Because, I mean, I'll never forget looking at the woman going, I don't understand. She says, this is the Patriots Act. I've held on to this for this long. And to this day, I still don't understand why I had to prove that I had no middle name.
1: Uh, Well, Arrow, I think you've got a great example of why government can be really sluggish and really stupid, and (laughs) and, and sometimes those experiences can go from sluggish and stupid to actually just offensive yeah. because you're just defending who you are. And 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 look, I try to be an optimist. I'm a big fan of the killers, and I self-style as Mr. Brightside. And, and my optimistic view on this is I do think some leaps that we're seeing in technology will allow us to make government faster, more efficient, and hopefully less invasive in our lives. In fact, I can't really think of many people I know who say, man, I want more government in my life. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we don't really want more government. Uh, and hopefully, these tech developments can make government less bloated, more efficient, uh, and less divisive. So, I'm not just going to cross my fingers on that. I, actually, I spend a lot of time time trying to promote policies like yeah. that in Washington. So, hopefully, we get there.
0: Oh, I'm so proud of you for doing this, the whistleblowers inside the Trump administration, because I know this is just the first step of, of a brand new beginning. You're going to grow into other areas, and we're going to talk about other whistleblowers in other businesses. I just, I just think this is where the conversation begins
1: well arrow i appreciate you you're a patriot and i love the carolinas so i'll see you next time i'm down there
0: absolutely you'd be brilliant today okay sir all right thanks my friend